Well, welcome one and welcome all. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to all of you. This is our after school American Christmas special and we've got an hour but plenty to discuss in that hour. So for those of you who are watching on Facebook and YouTube, please add your two little cents in the comment section as we move along. Now before we kick things off, let's meet our little elves. On my left, we have the co-host of Educated, host of Christ and Culture, and the lead drummer in the Band of Life, Mr. <laughs> David Fiorazzo. Now uh, sitting next to him, we have Frank Sinatra, ho, ho, ho. king of the visual aids, and host of One Nation, Dr. Jake Jacobs. And of course, joining us live from sunny Southern California, almost said California, sunny Southern oh. Florida, where there big is difference. snow. Big difference. Yes. We have the world traveler who just returned from Egypt, where climate is all the rage. And also, just so you know, he is the host of the Newman Report, Mr. Alex Newman. And uh, what I lack in stature, making me an ideal elf, I make up for in sarcastic wit and eye roll. So without further ado, let's begin by acknowledging the Christmas season upon us. When we think of Christmas, I guess most of us have some version of a Hallmark movie in our heads. However, there have been many historical events that have taken place around this time of year, and Jake is going to get us started. Well, Katie, there are so many that uh, we have throughout the ages. But the, the primary, the first one that comes to my mind is back in 800 A.D., Charlemagne was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor wow. by Pope Leo III. Wow. And you may not think that's significant, but remember his grandfather was Charles Martel, who stopped the actual takeover of Europe by militant Islam. So that's a historical time frame in American history. Wow. Fast forward 1066, William the Conqueror, yeah. crowned King of England in Westminster Abbey. Fast forward Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, 1914, you have the Christmas tree. And it was an amazing story. It spread all throughout the, you know, the Western Front. About 100,000 soldiers in some various form participated in playing soccer, exchanging niceties, uh, and actually calling for a timeout from the war. That's amazing. And then a day later, they went around slaughtering each other after the fact. So, what year was that? That was 19, uh, uh, would have been December 24th, 25th, 1914. 14. Oh, and I missed December 25th. On Christmas Day, George Washington, well, Continental Army, which was starving, which was hurting. Freezing. I mean, big time. Those six months was, was a horrible time as far as the Continent, Continental Army goes. Uh, they snuck across the Delaware. The Hessian soldiers were drunker than a skunk. They'd been <laughs> drinking away like crazy. Hmm. And they captured the camp. And eventually, they were able to table over Princeton. And uh, it turned around the war after that fact. So Wow. Yeah. So we got, what do we get? Uh, crossing the Delaware, 1914. You know, this is December right now. In fact, we just uh, celebrated recently the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Remember Pearl Harbor? Mm -hmm. uh, my father, who the day that that happened, knew that he soon would be going off to the war. That Christmas of 1941 was an incredibly somber Christmas. Mm. In fact, it's the first time the song White Christmas had ever been played. And to me, it's a fascinating huh. story. Absolutely fa Before we play the song from the 1954 movie, White Christmas, Irving Berlin wrote the song late 39, early 40. Uh, when he got done writing his song, he said, I just wrote the greatest song I ever wrote. Remember, he's the, he's the author of the song, God Bless America. He was Jewish. He wasn't Christian. <laughs> and his son died 12 years earlier on Christmas Day, 1928. So for him, when he wrote wow. the song, it was a very kind of a somber, remembrance, uh, painful time mm. of the year. Now, fast forward, Pearl Harbor gets bombed, 1941. Uh, people like my father are going to be called up to go into the service. Uh, and now moms and dads and brothers and sisters are getting incredibly sentimental. Mm. And they played the song on Christmas Day, uh, 1941. Uh, in uh, Craft Music Hall, and Bing Crosby sang it for the first time. So wow. I want us to hear the version, and a little backdrop on this one. So fast forward, it's 1954. The song's already been a number one hit. It has sold literally millions and millions of copies. Bing Crosby, with Danny Kaye and others, are in the film, the classic film, White Christmas. But the film starts out, 
during the Battle of the Bulge, December of 1944, when the song was going through the roof in demand because soldiers and sailors like my father were loving the song, missing home, wanting to be home, mm. and it was in the midst of the Battle of the Bulge. Wow. So White Christmas starts out with Bing Crosby singing White Christmas. And when we're done, I'll go back to a, a phenomenal story behind that. So awesome. here goes. Awesome. Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow Wow. I think, I mean, when you listen to that, now having Jake just given all this information, and especially for my generation who doesn't really, hasn't learned properly about our history, when you listen to those lyrics now and apply it to what you just said, it, it brings like a whole new kind of like perspective on it. And, and it would be nice if we all listened to the entire version and watched the movie. Hmm. Well, I would agree. I would concur. I, like you guys know, I, I wear the, the ring. It says 1944. Oh, wow. Because uh, that was an, you got to think of that time period. In fact, Bing Crosby tells the story. He was with the uh, overseas in northern France with Bob Hope, the Andrews sisters, and a bunch of Hollywood people. Uh, Hollywood is much different in those days than it is today. But anyways, they were there to help support, give moral support to our soldiers uh, fighting against the National Socialists. And he said he was in front of 100,000 soldiers. And he had all that he could do from not crying because he knew there was a great chance that many of those soldiers would not come home alive. Mm. And that was just a few days before the beginning of the Battle of the Bulge. Wow. So it has profound meaning in American history. Yeah. And just to hear Katie say that really moves my heart. Because yeah. uh, Katie is highly aware of these things and educated, but she's right about the fact that the younger generation is unfortunately not aware of this the, the history behind this. Well, she's an anomaly. I'm, you know, she's, I'm a something. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it goes to like thinking about, even as, and we'll talk about this this hour, just going through the meaning of Christmas and, and putting real perspective onto Christmas each year and how it's changed throughout the course of history and, hmm. and how, you know, we think maybe about what are the presents going to be? I want my presents. Give me my presents. Me, me, me. Um, but going back to the times when, yeah, families were separated because of war, and, and then the true meaning, obviously, of Christmas, uh, having Christ in Christmas is the true meaning, but we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah. I think it's, it's pretty interesting when you get a song like that and then actually know what the historical meaning is behind it. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we don't have the image. I should have had it prepared. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, the image of raising the flag at Iwo Jima. Oh, yeah. I think what few people don't realize is three of those six people in that image they never came home to their mothers and their fathers. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. Mm. So it wow. drives me absolutely nuts when I hear these woke folk, these leftists, these socialists, say that America is an oppressive nation. We are a nation of liberation. We liberated Asia from the fascist Japanese. We liberated Europe from the National Socialist. I mean, come on. We, we need to pay homage and remember the great things that that generation did. So let's let Alex Newman into this conversation. Alex, uh, your thoughts on what uh, Jake was just sharing about history, world history, America on hap happening around Christmas time? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's so much of the history of Christmas that's really been lost. And uh, one guy that I've turned to uh, regularly for insight on this is William Federer. He's, he, there is yes. American Minute thing. He does just wonderful, wonderful historical things on all kinds of things, not just Christmas. But um, he had one uh, not too long ago about St. Nicholas. And uh, there's just, you know, there's so much history behind these traditions that unfortunately has been lost that uh, I think we need to get back to that. It's a nice reason to do this uh, program here, just to talk about it, make people aware about it because uh, as Katie pointed out, it's really not about presence. It's not about what is going to be waiting for me under the tree. It's uh, far more significant than that. And I really think it devalues it and devalues us to, to make it just about presence. 
Oh, go ahead. Just real quick, yeah. Because you mentioned about how we have so many good things of Christmas have been forgotten. Uh, maybe because I'm the oldest person on the panel, I have more of a historical, real historical reference in that I can remember the Christmas Eve of 1968. Yeah, there were Christmas presents around the tree. I got my Green Bay Packers stuff at the time. <laughs> I still remember. We had just won the Super Bowl. But the point is this. My dad was all excited because Apollo 8 was orbiting yes. the moon. I got goosebumps as I think Yes. We didn't have a color TV. We couldn't afford it. We had our old black and white television. And my dad was telling all of us to come into the living room in our little black and white. And I was blown away. I got goosebumps because for the first time we saw Earth from the moon. Wow. And what, what blew me away is when the astronauts read from the King James Bible. Okay, they had their choice to say whatever they wanted to say at that time, but they decided to read from the God of creation and his words in the as beginning. they were looking at the world. That it, it really is. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I'm thinking, can you imagine how, how that would play today? Would they allow that on our television, uh, any of the TV networks? Would they allow that to be read from the Bible? And that's just astounding when you think that we were a free country and they did value that, the morals and values of the biblical Christian worldview. And it's and interesting, we had the clip by too. the way, that the... Uh, uh, this, this Madeline Marie O'Hare, it went, she sued NASA. It went all the way uh. to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, that's out of our jurisdiction. Oh, happens to be yeah, the moon. Yeah, because it was but out of the atmosphere. It really shows, it really shows <laughs> the foundation, this hardcore leftism, the Freedom from, from, from Religion Foundation, the wow. ACLU, and these leftists that were even in that time frame trying to de-Christianize, like in the French Revolution, they tried to de-Christianize France. There have been elements in America that have been trying to de-Christianize America, and Apollo 8 is a classic example yeah. of that. Can we watch that? Do we have that clip? No. Okay, don't sorry. Don't have the clip. Sorry. Oh, so basically they read from the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it went on a couple, couple uh, verses. It was ten verses. Ten verses. So the first ten, ten verses, verses in the book of Genesis from the Bible were read by one of the astronauts. Who read it? Uh, James Lowell, no, the Armstrong would have been uh, uh, Apollo 11. This Lowell. is Apollo 8. Lowell, Lowell, what do I have? My cheat sheets, Come Will on. Ardens <laughs> and Frank Borman. Okay. Yeah. So that was amazing. Guys, look it up. If you're at home, look it up. It's an amazing clip. Apollo 8, Christmas Eve, 1968. It's phenomenal. And I think an interesting follow-up is Apollo 8, Buzz, I was going to say Buzz Lightyear, but <laughs> Buzz Aldrin, <laughs> Buzz Aldrin actually, because NASA told him to tone it down, so they didn't do it publicly, but he, when he landed on the moon, second man on the moon after Armstrong, he actually took communion, that, pun on, you can't get that, wow. communion, was it? communion, wow. all right, he took communion on the earth, on, on the moon, excuse me, uh, and said some prayers, uh, mm -hmm. but not publicly. Oh. So even then, but I think it's interesting yeah. that Apollo 11 is giving homage to the creator of the moon, their universe, Jesus Christ. And now, today, when that we wouldn't think fly. Of science and religion and what it means when we talk about the science, people saying science versus religion. It's we're all flipped upside down yep. at this point. So very nice. Well, any other historical The one last one events? that comes into my heart, which I know Alex has written quite a bit about his expertise with the Soviet Union and that part of the world. Uh, uh, it was Christmas Day, 1991, and Mikhail Gorbachev, who I was able to meet uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin many years ago, uh, got on the air and said that the Soviet Union, the USSR, was no more. Wow. And Boris Yeltsin was going to take over, and it was going to be the Russian Federation. But I, I just saw in it poetic justice. Hmm. This evil empire that Vladimir Lenin with the Cheka attacked those who worship Christ or Christmas. He made it a law in 1919, as early as 1919. People were being arrested for worshiping Christ on Christmas Day. I think they called it Nikolai or whatever, Nikolo. Somewhere along, along those lines. But the point is that on Christmas Day, it dies. Mm. And I think that's wonderful poetic justice. Well, Alex, I would just love to have your brief take. I know we could spend a lot of time on this, but how the, the fact that world communism did not die. 
When, mm. when the wall came down, when Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, a lot of people, I think, naively thought, all right, great, communism, that great evil is gone. They went underground, and then the environmentalists and the, uh, the climate change activists today. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, there, there's so much there, and I don't want to get us too far afield. But, uh, you know, e even the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, there's, I uh, know that's good, but there's one uh, analyst who I've read uh, quite extensively, Anatoly Golichin. He came out of Department D uh, from the Soviet Union, and he defected uh, through Finland, eventually got to the United States. And he warned that there was a long range disinformation deception plan where they were going to pretend like the Soviet Union collapsed, but actually the communists were going to remain in power. Um, this man gave about 205 very specific predictions about things that were going to happen, and uh, over 200 of those have happened already. And um, you know, the other ones look like they are a very real possibility in the wow. not-too-distant future. The grand finale was uh, a reconstituted Soviet Union, along with communist China, having a second October revolution where the whole world would come under communist slavery. Um, we'll see about that. But, uh, you know, also uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, one of the things that he did after uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union was, you mentioned the climate stuff, he linked up with a bunch of the Western globalists, the Club of Rome in 1991, mm -hmm. and they put out a report called the First World or the First Global Revolution. And uh, this was in the context of the end of the Cold War. We don't have an excuse anymore to have these massive governments, this total surveillance, all these international institutions. We need a new excuse. And they came up with this idea that environmental problems, climate change, global warming, um, and then they actually said in there, uh, that way the enemy can be humanity itself. <laughs> yep. Wow, that's interesting. Wow, it is. Yeah. Population control had to necessarily be one of the agendas if humanity is the problem, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, thanks, guys. Uh, we're done. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just need to take a sip here. Oh, there you go. Well, for all of you out there watching, I do just want to take a hot second here to point out my supreme beverage vessel that you see before you. And as you can tell, the boys have their own as well. But this is the one that is supreme. One now, nation our, fighting for liberty and justice for all. Yes, but uh, I'm going to go get mine. I'll be back in just a moment. There you go, there you go. Do you really have one? Go get it. Well, he is going to get it. That's get funny. It. Excellent. Hey, while he's See, doing that, our newly launched media shop offers T-shirts, sweatshirts, and even these mugs that support all of our shows here at Freedom Project. And you know what? If you'd like what we're doing, maybe you would consider getting yourself a little bit of swag this uh, Christmas season. All you have to do is simply visit freedomproject.com slash store. That's freedomproject.com slash store. And all of the purchases will support the productions of shows like uh, this one, but mostly Healthy Republic. Eh? Well, can we eh? talk about what's on <laughs> some of the mugs? Like oh. here, this one says, my tagline, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. And Jake's got one. What does yours say, Jake? Mine is fighting for liberty and justice for all, one nation. Alex, what Mine do you have? Mine is on the way. Wipe it ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's in the mail. Checks in but the mail. You can, you can get yours now. Maybe yours will arrive before Alex gets his all the way down oh, there. Hey, look, in, mine in just arrived. Thank you, darling. Oh, 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 we got it. Oh, oh, oh the Newman Report. Oh, all right. Newman all right. Report. Very nice. But hey, hey, everyone, <laughs> stay healthy, America. Anyway, let's move on to uh, another Christmas discussion. David, yes. I want you to get us started on how okay. the celebration of Christmas, the reason for the season, okay. has changed Shall I say just a little bit uh, over the past 50 or so years? Wow. Uh, how it's changed. Well, first of all, this thing is getting really hot, so I got to take the hat, the hat off. These are like wool hats. My, it feels like my head's on fire, and I don't hey. have a fever or anything. Wow. You don't. Okay, um, well, how it's changed. Well, my point of reference, obviously, I've got to go back. I can't go back as far as Jake, but <laughs> almost. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Way back when. But just the simplicity of Christmas, what it meant as, as far as family. I think that's changed a lot. Our priorities as, as families, as Americans even, as our culture. I think we've conformed to the world a little bit too much. I think of the commercialism. I think of the, and, and it just drives me nuts, these Black Friday sales where people just, you see greed. You see mm -hmm. the, the hearts of people when they go in and they just want to get the best 
prize or the best present in there. They don't care who they hurt on the way to get to that stack of things they, before they run out. It's just this, this I, well, that's the human heart, isn't it? The heart is wicked and beyond cure. Isn't there and, a Monday oh, now, too? What's that? Well, is there something on Monday? Cyber, oh, Cyber Monday, Monday has it's been new Black Friday. Oh. Cyber Monday is... Uh, explain that, Katie. You're the millennial here. So. <laughs> it, okay. <laughs> so, well, actually, it's changed since even I was a kid. When I was a kid, yeah, Black Friday, you would line up at a store at, you know, 5 a.m. because it would open at 6 a.m. Then each year it's like, okay, now they're going to be open at 5 a.m., line up at 4 a.m. Okay, then it would like... Then the night then before got, they okay. would start lining but up. But then just, it was in the past, I would say, 10 years now where it went to, oh, now we're open on Thanksgiving. That's ridiculous. Okay, so the, and, and whatnot. So then mm -hmm. you have Black Friday, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving, which is on Thursday, and you do your shopping. And then you have Small Business Saturday, the very next day, which means you're supposed to shop at the small businesses after you went to all the big businesses and spent all your money. And then Sunday, they're just shopping still. Then Cyber Monday is the day when you shop online, like Amazon has all their de deals. And then after you spent everything, they're supposed to be giving Tuesday. You're supposed giving to be giving Tuesday. Tuesday. Then you give back but, to your favorite charity yes, or whatever but or then nonprofit. After you've already spent all your money. <laughs> Even in, in this year and last year and the past, just these most recent years, it's not even Black Friday or Black Friday or Thanksgiving anymore or even that week. Now it's an entire month. All of November now is all about getting your tchotchkes in. Like it's, there's not, it's not at all about preparing yourself for the coming of the Lord. It is preparing yourself to wrap all the presents yeah. and pay all the debt you just incurred. So, so the meaning of Christmas obviously has not changed. God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The meaning has not changed. It's, it is true history. It's not just a story from the Bible. It is true world history, human history, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But now we've changed our celebration, the way we celebrate it, the way we look at it, the way we've commercialized it, and even in our families. So that's the challenge to go way back to when we made it about Christ and we you, tried to honor him. You just mentioned that when we were kids, we used to watch Charlie Brown's Christmas Tale. Yes. And you remember yes. how the end went. Well, Linus preaches the, he shares the gospel from the book of Luke. Yeah, you would never see that, that today. Charlie Brown Christmas. Right, that was like 1965-ish, I'm gonna guess. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do yeah. they still play that on TV, by the way? I, I think so, I think they do, yeah. Do they, they still might, play I that part? Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, this broadcast has been interrupted right at the yeah, end yeah. of your yeah. so, so, Alex, I would love to hear your thoughts on just how Christmas has changed. Or the, not the meaning of it, but how America or the world, people that used to celebrate it, and now they really don't. Here, I've got a perfect example, and then I'll let you talk. So <laughs> I'm so irritated by the commercials. The, all the commercials on TV, almost everyone I've seen since before Thanksgiving, they're talking about what you and I would believe is Christmas, but they say this holiday... This holiday, hey, when you go to home for the holidays, this holiday, come into this store. Hey, to do all your holiday shopping, what holiday are they talking about? Yep. Are they talking about Easter, President's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Mother's Day, Thanksgiving, New Year's? No, they don't want to say Christmas. There, there is an agenda to wipe out the biblical, the Judeo-Christian celebration of and history of Christmas. And no, that, it's interesting. I'm going to let Alex share. Just real quick, yeah. as an educator, it used to be our calendar used to say Christmas yeah. season That's or a, Christmas yes. holiday or Easter. They've taken it off And now. it started about maybe for me it would have been middle 80s where all of a sudden it became winter break or yeah. spring break. So yeah. Alex, on to you. Yeah, you know what's interesting is um, I, I uh, grew up outside of the country, and so I, I didn't have a typical American Christmas uh, upbringing. And so we did come back every once in a while to celebrate at uh, my aunt's house. But um, I, I have seen the, the move away from talking about Christmas, talking about Christ. And, and really, it's, it, I think a lot of people really, at this point, the younger generations don't even know, except that maybe they hear Jeez. some uh, grumpy conservative saying, it's about Christ. Uh, they, they really don't even know that. I mean, it's become yeah. such a secularized um, commercial event. It's... Um, in my opinion, it's tragic. And so we, in my family, we try to bring it back to the Bible. So you know, that's the main thing we do on Christmas is we read uh, the, the story from Luke and we uh, talk about what it means. 
But, um, you know, I've seen Christmas celebrations all over the world. And what I've noticed is it's not just an American phenomenon. Um, all over the world, uh, Christmas is moving more and more away from the celebration of Christ's birth and more and more toward this commercialized, uh, hey, it's a chance to make lots of money and, uh, yep. you know, get free stuff um, and sell more widgets made in China to people who don't need them and can't afford them. So it's, uh, it's terribly sad to watch that. What just shot through my head real quick when he mentioned that is what I what I hate is how the leftists, the socialists say, see what you've done to Christmas? Capitalism has done this oh. to Christmas. So it's there. It's an easy way for them to say, ultimately, capitalism by its yeah. very nature is evil. Yeah. yeah, they say that, though, as they're like, and I hope I get my new iPhone this Christmas. <laughs> uh, better be under the tree. I, I want to be uh, an optimist here. And as a mother of two youngins, because now it's like I've gone from the I'm the kid, I want to get the presents to do I have to give the presents kind of a mentality. Mm -hmm. And, of course, maybe it's the selection of YouTube moms I also watch and follow and see how they're doing it. But I think there may be a little bit of a, a boomerang backlash on this whole, like, let's buy Christmas gifts and, and it's all about the presents and having the perfectly decorated home and having all the commercialized mm -hmm. Christmas. And a lot of them are saying, we just want to have experiences and time with our families. We just want to bond and get to know one another and actually understand, again, the true meaning of the season and know that this is when Christ came to earth for us and like teach our children how to grow up in that in a world where hey family is everything and treating one another with respect and love and all that so we're all trying to at least the people I follow we're, we're trying to like implement that into what we view as the Christmas season the entire holiday season of yeah. Christmas um, and so there's hope out there I'd like to think that there's gonna be a little bit of a, a back lash against all this consumerism. I am so Hopefully. glad to hear that. My daughter, who's a millennial, uh, <laughs> was just over, and, and my son too, and we've all agreed, because there's been a lot of death in our family the last year, hmm. uh, we've all agreed that there's only one gift this year, one gift total, and uh, it's much more important. We're just going to spend more time with each other, play games, and, and really try to remember as you come into our home, the book of Luke is opened up to the Christ story. Uh, for people to remember, that is the ultimate reason for the season. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. Hmm? How much time yeah. do we have? We have We're plenty good? of time. Well, there's something interesting that I want to share. This, this goes back to right before the Christmas story, um, when the angel appeared, Gabriel appeared to Mary, the teenager. Can you imagine? Hmm. Um, and Elizabeth, her cousin, became pregnant as well and that was John the Baptist. Well, I just want to share something. I often share this picture of uh, Elizabeth and Mary when they greeted each other, and one of them's looking up like this, and the other one's holding the other one's stomach. And I, want to, I wrote something about this, and it says, for thousands of years, humans, human beings have considered a pregnant woman to be with child, and to be carrying in her womb a living, growing, developing baby. So why are people confused about what is happening in a mother's womb. The, so the Bible holds no distinction between a human baby, preborn baby, inside a mother's womb and just outside the birth canal or a newborn. The Bible doesn't make distinctions there. So part of the Christmas story is in Luke when um, uh, God was sent to Mary saying, uh, the angel was sent, the messenger, she would conceive in her womb, give birth to a son, give him the name Jesus. Then Mary traveled to a city near Judah to visit Zechariah, a priest from the tribe of Judah. His wife was Elizabeth, the, the mother of John the Baptist, and uh, she was pregnant with John. And Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the Bible says, and what happened? Watch this. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and the baby leaped for joy in her womb. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So here it is. It's not a clump of dead tissue. Because by yep. why? Dead things don't grow, by the way. So the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in Elizabeth's womb because she heard and she, he sensed, obviously, this baby. Babies have emotions, right? Leaped for joy. How do they know that? Well, we, the Bible's true. So it's fascinating and it acknowledges the unborn Jesus in Mary's womb. Talk about a baby but, kicking. But I always <laughs> love that story when you think of the uh, Word becoming flesh, Jesus Christ, the mystery of the Incarnation. And it's the best defense of life 
I mean, it's a profound defense of life. All throughout David. the Bible. They Thank you for sharing that. Seriously. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. True story. <laughs> True story indeed. True story indeed. All right, friends. Well, I think it's time now that uh, we dive into the feel-goods of Christmas, if you will. And I'm talking about all the music and the books, because, yes, we can read here. Uh, the food, of course. Memories that we have. But we're going to start with those classic Christmas tales from the silver screen. So, David, yes. of course I'm going to start with you, <laughs> the actor on Satira. Do you have a must-watch Christmas movie this time of year? What is that in your hand, David? Is there any other Christmas movie? Yes. Um, I, I heard that there are yes. other Christmas movies. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life, I believe it came out in 1939. Did, interesting trivia, did not do very well in the theaters. It, mm. uh, it was up against another movie that had won some Oscars, I think. I don't remember what the movie was. I can't remember. But uh, it's now a classic. It had made tons of money. And I think once the network started playing it every year, and I don't remember what year they started that, but then it's so now it's, it's like... In fact, they did a poll, and it's the number two movie that I think didn't win an Oscar at the time or something mm -hmm. like that. But now it's just crazy. But so, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, when I first watched it, because I didn't hear about it growing up. I didn't watch it till I was out of high school. And when I saw it, it's just an amazing, because there's so many biblical themes in that movie, and that's what I like. And it's not afraid to address anything, uh, consumerism, greed, adultery, um, just so many things. It, it, suicide attempt. You know, I mean, George Bailey w thought about committing suicide when he thought that the, his company misplaced eight thousand dollars and there, he was going to be in trouble. There's a, and that's of course how the whole story gets into this. Okay, so God sends Clarence, this angel, down basically to save him. Uh, George Bailey's on on this bridge. Uh, he, he's ready to jump in, he, he, and the angel Clarence jumps into. And so George sees Clarence in the water struggling, faking it, right? And uh, George goes over to save him, bring him out of the water. And Clarence tells George Bailey that he was sent to save George. But George wait a minute, I saved you. So actually, God sent. So anyway, it was a great story, but I think this clip will explain a little bit more. You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. So now what led right before this, what led up to that is, uh, George said, I suppose it would have been better if I w was never born at all. And that's how this whole thing, that's how that God allowed Clarence to carry out this plan. And so for the rest of the movie, it showed um, up until the end when things turned, it showed what life would have been like in Bedford Falls where they lived if he was, because he was very influential. He did a lot for the community. He helped a lot of people, and his family did. And so it just showed the dramatic impact of one human life on a community. And of course, at the end, people, most people remember it. Uh, the bell rings. Hey, every time the bell rings, an angel gets his wings. But the book that Clarence signed was uh, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer by uh, Mark Twain. And it said, no man is a failure who has friends. So it showed at the end that the community g rallied and gathered together to help. They heard George, George Bailey was in trouble. They didn't know what was going on. He had some financial problems, but because he was so loved in the community, everyone worked together and tried to help him and donated money. And, and he never did get the $8,000 back, which was stolen by the greediest man that owned everything in town, Potter, right? So that's what, what, so many reasons I could go on and on about why that's my favorite Can Christmas Can I add movie. something? Yeah, absolutely. Bit. Look, 
What to me is absolutely amazing about this film, which is tied for my all-time favorite, all right, is the fact that Jimmy Stewart was a real World War II yes. bomber pilot. He, he just a, got back from he, the war before. The, I was surprised you didn't bring yeah, that up. He yeah. just got back from the war. In fact, he was what a lot of people thought he was experiencing post-traumatic syndrome yep. because a lot of his uh, colleagues had died in the war. And there's a prayer scene when he's praying and says, God, if you do exist, Frank Capra, the director, who has a brilliant story in his own, yeah. he actually said it was a one-take wonder. They actually enlarged the screening of yeah. the, the, the take because he was really crying. Yeah. He was remembering those who had died in the war. Yeah. And Capra, as you know, was an immigrant from Italy. And he tells the story that when his father came over uh, from Sicily in 1903 and he saw the Statue of Liberty, he said to his son, Frank, Francesco, Frank. He says, Francesco, Checo, Checo, look at the Statue of Liberty. That is the greatest light since the star over Bethlehem. Wow. Never forget that light. And it's important for us to remember wow. that because Capper puts that in his films and he yep. put that classically in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington yep. or like you say, It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Yeah. A great point. Great point. So what you're saying is I should watch this movie. Oh, well, I you, can't believe you, you just, if you haven't you, seen it, I can't believe I, you admitted that you haven't seen I, it. I, hey, I am an honest <laughs> human being. I have not seen it. Alex. Alex, Alex. Have seen it? Uh-oh. Pressure's what on. What are your thoughts, Alex? Have you Alex? seen it, Alex? It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I probably should just say no comment, but um, <laughs> oh. you know, while I was preparing for this, I, I looked through um, the Rotten Tomatoes has their list of top 100 Christmas movies. And I'm looking through there, I'm like, okay, haven't seen it, haven't seen it, haven't seen it. Finally, I get down to number 81, oh. and, or sorry, number 80, Home Alone. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, I watched that one with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Of the top 100. And, um, yeah, no, I, I grew up under a rock, as you can tell, and so uh, I just, I, I don't have any movies under my belt. Well, uh, I have to add this because you have an Italian background. I'm Frank I, I'm Capra's out. Italian I, I'm, background. <laughs> no, but you see that in the film. It's a Wonderful Life. There's family values coming through oh and through goodness. in that film. Yes. Alex, take, Mark, yes. trust us. You, you yeah. have got to show that to your family. It is a classic. Yep, and your kids, will, your kids will absolutely love it, and they will get every point they're trying to make about morality and about values they will understand and just you'll get through the beginning when the the god's talking to the you know yeah, it the, opens up the, in prayer the stars are going you know back and forth lighting it, up it going, okay up this is a little hurts. cheesy but then as you get into it, you go wow that's really fascinating how they we live in a day and age this postmodern world well they don't presuppose people that are god praying for you. george yeah. bailey at the beginning it opens in prayer and at the yep. end every time a bell rings an angel <laughs> gets its wings it closes with the presupposition there's heaven it is a heavenly film yeah. alex you got a homework <laughs> assignment you have to watch the film yeah we will be looking film. forward to you there's so few movies that we can watch. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. that there this is. This one you can watch. Go back to the 1940s. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. He, yeah. We'll, we'll be looking forward for the Newman Report on It's a Wonderful Life. I'm <laughs> there kidding. <you> go. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if that was tied, basically, yeah. for, what was it what tied was, with? What was tied with? People. People? Die Hard? The 1953 <laughs> Die Hard. No, wait a minute. I have Die no, Hard here. That's my son's favorite. Oh, That's gosh. where I met Ronald Reagan. The Die Hard buildings were Ronald Reagan, the 34th floor. That was his office in Century City, but I digress. It's not a Christmas film. Don't Ooh. tell my son uh -oh. I said but that. But it takes place around Christmas. Christmas, uh, Nakashima, whatever the... Nakashima Plaza. Plaza. All right. But mine is A Christmas Carol, Alistair Sim, wow. the 1953 yep. version. Now you've got to stop and think. The film, the, the the book, the classic book comes out in '43. Comes out December 19th. Within a week, it sold out. By 1944, there were 13 different editions. And when you think of when a Christmas Carol comes out, you're dealing with Karl Marx was a contemporary uh, of, of Charles Dick. Charles Darwin was a contemporary. Wow. In fact, Darwin's and Dickens are buried in Westminster Abbey, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just a fascinating story, and it's a story of yeah. redemption. Yeah. It's a story that reflects, really, the condition of the human heart and how this soul has been given a chance yes, yes, yes. to see life without goodness, without Christ. Hmm. You know, so I absolutely adore and love the film. In fact, we have a scene, a short scene, where when he finally, it's like the Holy Spirit, my interpretation anyways, hmm. he finally gets an understanding that the Holy Spirit has pierced his heart, and now he understands not only the meaning of Christmas, but the ultimate meaning of life. Hmm. So here goes Alistair Sim as Ebenezer Scrooge, 1953. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> 
I'm as light as a feather. Oh. I'm as happy as a, I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. I, I never. <laughs> a merry Christmas, Ebenezer. You old humbug. You know, the last thing that comes to my mind, and I know I get kind of geeky historically, but think of it. That book came out five years before Marx's Communist Manifesto. Wow. They're living in the same city. He produces this classic work that has blessed so many millions of people throughout the ages, yeah. right? And Karl Marx's book is right up there with uh, Mein Kampf. It's yeah. one of the most evil books ever penned by man. And the poison, the, the fact that so much of that manifesto, that communist manifesto, is in our young people today in many forms and fashion, yeah. that, that we need to bring back the resurrection, so to speak, the great awakening of the ultimate purpose of Christmas. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to spin it around 180 from the wholesomeness that these gentlemen have provided and, <laughs> and give you my favorite Christmas movie. But I'm going to, I'll be able to spin it back around to make it All wholesome. right, talk about um, spin by a Democrat. Oops, sorry. Christmas Vacation <coughs> with Chevy Chase, Na National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm going to warn you right now, is not a film for children. Although I watched it when I was probably seven or eight or nine and every year since. But the reason it's so funny is because there's a lot of truth in what happens with families and family dynamics in a Christmas vacation. They are a, you know, Chicago suburbs type family and dad is trying to do all of the holiday cheer the way families are told to do all of the holiday cheer and you have the dynamics of having two you know teenagers who don't care about Christmas and a, a wife and husband duo who are just you know making it spiritful and then you have some crazy relatives come over some stay well, I think a lot in of people RV, can relate to that. out yeah. in the front yard some yeah, the grandparents right. come and stay with them now it is National Lampoon, so again, there's a little vulgarity to it, and there's some jokes in there that, again, not appropriate for children. But the reason I pick this movie is because we watch it every Christmas Eve, interestingly enough, before going to Mass. But we, <laughs> we watch the movie uh, as a family, and my dad has never laughed at a movie so hard in his entire life. And it brings our family together to laugh about things like that. And it's just very heartwarming to us. And there are, there are moments in there, and obviously the end result is, you know, family matters most um, to them, th that you do activities as a family, such as going sledding. Going for a new amateur recreational saucer sled land speed record. Clark W. Griswold Jr. Let it rip, ain't pen. Bingo. <laughs> so, so why did it go that fast? But he greased it up. Oh. You see, he wanted. Come on, you well, know, he had to be the impressive dad. That was dad. funny. Uh, it's you, hilarious. I'm guessing, I'm guessing you're you were that dad. You got to be the cool dad, the yeah. impressive dad. So he greased the sled up. <laughs> To go down to be uh, be fast, but anyway, maybe don't watch this movie with the children. Maybe maybe you know you can watch it if you'd like. But there are watch their wholesome movies. Alex, don't watch Christmas nah, nah, Vacation. You can skip list, that so. one. Yeah, you can skip yeah. that one. But what are what are some of the you know favorite things that you guys do as traditions as family? We watch Christmas Vacation on Christmas Eve and then go to mass. But well, we, since you know. he hasn't seen some of these films, I'd like to hear from Alex yes. as far as what they got going on there down in Florida where there isn't any <laughs> other than, snow. No. Yeah, other yeah, than decorating snow. palm trees. What do you do? Traditions. What, you go to the beach with your surfboard? <laughs> as a matter of fact, yes, um, we do. But. Um, no, uh, actually, the biggest traditions that that we've kind of adopted, uh, they come. I'm married into a Scandinavian family, uh, fortunately uh -huh. and unfortunately. So, uh, we <laughs> kind of adopted a lot of those Scandinavian traditions. And one of the big ones is uh, Santa Lucia. Every uh, December oh, 13th, yeah. ahead of Christmas, they do the, all, all the Swedes. I mean, all over the entire country of Sweden, and even Swedes here in Florida. Actually, we're going to go uh, to one 
uh, about an hour from my house here. Um, it's this procession. Uh, it's named after uh, Saint Lucia, who was a, a martyr, a very famous saint from Syracuse. Uh, I think she died in like the fourth century, long, long time ago. Uh, and there's a lot of legends around her and all of that. Um, we actually went to the cathedral where they have like her arm bone uh, down in Syracuse, which was interesting. But um, every December 13th, all over Sweden and all the little churches, all the little towns are built around these beautiful churches. And um, the girl who plays Santa Lucia, she wears like little candles on a wreath on her head and uh, walks down. And then there's all these other little girls that walk in white. Uh, I don't even know what you call them, but like dresses or gowns and then little boys with these crazy uh, paper cone hats and little stars <laughs> on sticks. And uh, they sing just beautiful songs, and you know it's very God-centered, very Christmas-centered. Uh, it's become more and more secularized, but if you listen to the words while they're singing, you know you can't hide from it. Um, so, uh, so that's one of the things that we've adopted. And of course, the Swedes always, when uh, Christmas comes around, you got to do the baking, you've got to do the uh, lucibuller, these delicious little things that my wife bakes. And so that, that's kind of what we do for Christmas now. But having done Christmas in many, many different countries, I grew up mostly in Latin America. You know, we had some of those traditions down there, the posadas in. Um, uh, in in Mexico, uh, kind of interesting story there. They have these parties and these prayers, and um, yeah, and then uh, having Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere is fun too because it's summertime, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. You have fake snow and Santa Claus is uh, roasting in there, but um, yeah, and Christmas in Switzerland is just uh, it's an incredible wow. joy. They really go all out there. So, wow. Well, there's no snow in Jerusalem. No, right? once in a while you get once, yeah. Every once in a while. Yep. Yeah, once in a while. Yep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? Foods, Foods, traditions. Do you know Pizzelli's? Oh, are? my God. My, Pizzelli. My, my brother Mario Now, Pizzelli's. yeah, I know you know what those yeah. are. These guys probably, eh. They're big. Uh, they make them different colors depending on what flavor you like put in. It looks like a big snowflake. It looks like a big snowflake. It's about that big. And they're beautiful, and they taste really good. And they're really flat, and, and it's like a wafer cookie. Very, very thin and light. Sometimes they flavor them with uh, what's some of the things they put in. Maybe a little bit of almond extract or different things, yeah. but Pizzelli's. It's all about food. You see how food brings the people together, and yeah. that's more of what it is. So you don't need to have the Christmas gifts. Just have food present and bring everyone together, and everyone's going to be happy, and, and you, it, it's a great time. Oh, and our Christmas Eve dinner was, uh, ho growing up, homemade cheese ravioli. That was our Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day was either a turkey or a ham. It wasn't pizza. No, no well, cheese raviolis, and we made, and they <laughs> oh, were big. I'm not talking about these little teeny things you get in restaurants. They call them Italian. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about pillows. I'm talking about filled, chuck full of, of either cheese or meat, and just they look like little mini pillows. Cheese wrap. That's funny, Dave, because we, we did that every time I came back to uh, the States for Christmas. Uh, my, a big part of my dad's side of the family was Italian, and so it was always rigatoni with incredibly delicious Italian meatballs using Mimi's secret recipe. There which, we go. By the way, I have now. It's not secret anymore. It's a secret <laughs> for me. Uh, but yeah, no, that's also very fun. Yep, yep, good All stuff. All right, so let's take it back a minute. Everyone take five whole seconds here to think. What are some of your favorite Christmas memories? growing up or seeing children grow oh. up or, or whatnot. I'll start out with one of my favorite ones, and this kind of plays into us being a crazy Christmas vacation family. One of the, it's a funny memory, and we still talk about it, is the year that my two brother, older brothers got Nerf equipment, Nerf guns or Nerf bow and arrow. And so Santa Claus, slash at this time my father, uh, apparently he he because mom was in the kitchen or something and dad walks into the living room and my brother eric goes dad look what i got for christmas Boom! and immediately <laughs> shoots out the arrow goes straight into his eye and that was a, that was Ooh. the end of those for a little while Whoa. but it's still the, one of the funniest memories just because <laughs> dad got hurt and eric got in trouble it was okay. funny funny I, for me <laughs> i've i've got a memory um my dad used to have this camera with it with the light on top and, and it's the, he'd oh, have the to do this, school, the winding yeah. movie oh, wow. camera. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if any of you guys have ever seen yeah. that. But he would come down the stairs or he would try to get everybody. My, and my sisters always bolted for the, the door, whatever room. They couldn't stand being filmed, <laughs> especially Christmas morning. Why? Their hair, they didn't have any makeup on. They were oh, in their no. PJs. So they ran out of the room, so my sisters did. But he always come on, you know, zooming <laughs> the little thing with the it. light. And that thing must have weighed, I don't know, what, 10 pounds, 12 pounds? And it was the old-fashioned camera. But I will say, um, just the importance of family, my memories are growing up with two sisters, but you know, we were a close family. But one of my sisters died when she was 24. 
So I would love to have those days back. Oh, you can't go into rewind, right? Mm -hmm. But I would love to have those days back where we're all together. But that's, it's just so important to uh, spend time with family and make sure to let people know that you love them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was, this was during the Vietnam War, and my brother was drafted. But long story short, we found out right before Christmas that he didn't have to go. So we partied hard. Party. A lot of, <laughs> lot of happiness. And then uh, when I was a little bit younger than that, I got my Johnny 7. Now, Johnny 7 was a, seven, a gun that could do, shoot seven different things. Like it was a bazooka. It could be a machine gun. You could wow. take the pistol out there. Oh, you wow. could launch grenades. I mean, you could even use better than a Red Ryder BB gun. gun. Yeah, it's yeah, got I got that you. Johnny Seven and look out, man! I was going after <laughs> Ho Chi Minh every day. It was it was great. Wow. Well, you could seriously YouTube yeah. you Johnny Seven. You'll see me wow. in there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Really, Alex. I mean, you have you have to pick a country in addition to picking yeah, a yeah. country. I think of 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 Christmas, Christmas celebrations. So, what do you have for us? Well, as I was thinking about it, the, the same grandma that I mentioned that had the secret meatball recipe, um, <laughs> every Christmas that we were in the States, we'd, we'd go up to Jacksonville, and she would always buy my brother and me and one of my cousins this huge bag filled with presents. So it wasn't one Christmas present. It was a whole bag of Christmas presents. Um, and there was always stuff we weren't supposed to have, like pocket knives, BB <laughs> guns, giant lollipops. Uh, and so I, I still remember that, like every year that we did it, like it was yesterday, it was always uh, the highlight of Christmas. Here we are talking about how, you know, we got to get over the consumerism and stuff. But I'll tell you, <laughs> as a kid, getting a pocket knife and a BB gun and a giant lollipop and a bunch of other stuff, that was fun. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that, that uh, cool. three of the four stories involved weaponry, but we won't go with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. Praise Thank the Lord. And, praise you. the Lord and pass the ammunition. Yeah. God, <laughs> yeah, God bless you and Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, friends, the stockings are now hung. The tree is free from the rabid squirrels. If you've seen Christmas Vacation, you'd understand that one. Angels are getting their wings, and uh, Scrooge is no longer humbug. So thank you for taking some time to watch our American Christmas special and moreover thank you for supporting Freedom Project this past year. Our content has surpassed more than 25 million views which is pretty wow. insane to me um, and podcast downloads and we obviously are so very very grateful for your support. So if you are a fan of what we do please do consider a year-end tax-deductible gift to Freedom Project to keep us going. So simply visit freedomproject.com slash give. That's freedomproject.com slash give. And for all of us here at Freedom Project, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thank you for spending a little time remembering the reason for the season. Amen. God bless Merry, us, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Alex. Go shovel snow, buddy. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah, not going to be doing that.